So your upcoming host, Curtis Sliwa. Curtis, I faked you out this morning, man. I, I was walking into the radio station in my coat and hat. You went to hand me a social media card and introduce yourself. So Always. that was amazing, right? Always. Well, yeah, yeah. Used uh, technology. Fashionista technology, I call it, because generally you come in here dressed like a hillbilly because you are from uh, from Bloomfield, New Jersey, outside of Newark. And what is it you did on Thanksgiving again? Remind everybody that proves you are you have the bona fide of a true hillbilly. I deep fried my turkeys. Exactly. And uh, yeah. almost, almost caused fires at uh, surrounding property. You yeah, know, I don't remember that part of it. But all, yeah. all the Italians were calling up saying, hey, would you get this hillbilly out of here? <laughs> they wanted the peppers and sausage. Exactly. But anyway, you're, you're, you're sashaying and toucheing and walking and diddy-bopping down the block like, like a normal guy would be going to a white-collar job. You got your L.L. Beam uh, cover on. Mm-hmm. Totally like, yeah, I'm a hipster, a millennial, I'm cool, I'm hip, I'm happening. You have a different kind of a New York Med hat on, not the blue-collar, working-class New York Med no, hat. That's a Mr. Med hat. Right, but the Stephen Cohen hat, right? Yeah, right. So it's interesting because I'm I'm talking, you see, I'm talking, when I talk, I'm like a Pez dispenser. I'm constantly giving out the business cards and the... You know, where you can also find out all the time to listen to me at WABC, which basically... Always listen to WABC because you're bound to hear me. Like that. Always listen to WABC because you're bound to hear me. And that's true. And I'm talking to this blue-collar working-class guy from Amityville in Long Island. And I say, oh, the Amityville Horror House. Uh, Horror House. I mean, the Amityville (laughs) Horror House. And you keep sticking your mug like, don't you recognize me? Don't you identify me? And then finally it dawned on me. This is James Flipman approaching me in camouflage. Well, the first thing I said was make sure you recycle that newspaper because I didn't know if you were. It looked like you were going to throw it in the regular round no. bin. No, no, I, I recycle everything. I you know. see, you see my recycling yeah, uh, I, patch right there. I'm well aware. So anyway, we get in and naturally we de- decide what we're going to discuss. And both you and I, we played high school football. You better than me because you were the captain of your team. Where did you play? Uh, At Glen Ridge High School. Glen Ridge High School. It wasn't Bloomfield High School. It wasn't in Newark, that's no. for sure. Uh, but Glen Ridge, pretty good team. But probably when you were captain, uh, they zeroed out, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, but you were the captain of the team. You were, in many instances, Travis Kelsey. You would go in the locker room, right? I know you. You'd give the fire and brimstone speech. You know, you were down at halftime, right, to what, Barringer High School, you know, where they were pulling blades on you and guns. And you're, like, trying to fire up all the guys from Glenridge. No, no, I, we don't want to go back out. They're kicking our butts and threatening to slice our throats. Right? Am I right about that? That's yeah, pretty accurate, actually, okay. yeah. So I'm looking at Travis Kelsey. I didn't see it because I was on with Nancy. Three hours we were doing it. By the way, the ratings were up. I checked it with Chad this this morning. The ratings were up because not everybody watches football. It's true. You know, like 99% yeah, well, of the country was. But that 1% needs something to do. You know, with all the Swifties. But no, there's some people, they love the Animal Welfare Hour with Nancy. So the ratings were skyrocketing. And mostly it's Nancy, not me. Because, let's face it, she is the, as some have said, she is the future of talk radio in the here and now. And you're washed up, Slee. Well, we've heard you for 35 years. <laughs> But when I saw it in the wee hours of the morning, I said, man, this guy, Travis Kelsey, there are little kids running around with throwback uh, Kansas City jerseys. What's his number, 97? 87. 87. 87. 
man, you can't do that. He comes up, he's screaming at Andy Reid, who's totally focused on the field as he should be. Hopefully, uh, Travis Kelsey didn't have bad breath because that might have knocked out uh, Andy Reid. He was that close to his face. And he did make contact with him. I mean, he was kind of, you know. Bumped him and knocked the game plan right out of his hand. Lucky Reid didn't go down. Lucky, there was an African-American player. I forget. He looked like a wide receiver, uh, maybe a defensive back, who pulled him away. He seemed like he was ready to come back for a second. He's got to apologize. Now, I know his agent is saying, Mr. Taylor Swift, no, just let it blow over. You can't do that to the coach. Already we see parents who argue with referees and they get into the zebra's faces and umpires and coaches. How come you're not playing my kid? How come you're not? Now we're going to have kids do a Travis Kelsey. Why'd you take me out, coach? Why'd you take me out? Reminds me of the time I was on the mound for the first time for Brooklyn Prep against Lachlan High School. Rudy's school, although he's graduated. I'm pitching for the first time. It's at the worst field imaginable for baseball, the Brooklyn Prep field, right there off Nostrand and Carroll. First three innings, I got this curveball going. My God, they couldn't touch me. The, my, the only time my dad ever saw me play baseball because he was always out at Sea Merchant Seaman. So he's proud, right? By the time they get second licks at me, they hit seven home runs <laughs> in two innings. Coach Duffy comes out. I'm taking you out, kid. No, you can't. My father's there, right? He said, you watch your mouth. You either walk to the bench now or I'm kicking you off the team. And I was the captain of the junior varsity team that time. You don't do that. You don't do that. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, there has to be that line of demarcation where, okay, fine, sometimes the teammates get into it with each other. Sometimes, you know, obviously we've seen opponents scream on each other and get face-to-face. That happens all the time. Now, let's be honest. You were begging your coach to take you out because <laughs> Barron's your right. <laughs> I can't take it half. anymore, coach. I can't take it They're anymore. They're pulling guns and threatening to shoot us on the way home. But Get me out now. I want to shower and get the hell out of here. I will say this, though. I have an alternate theory when it comes to Travis Kelsey. Yes. I think that he was cal- calculated in what he did there. Because mm. I saw the way he was pregame, mugging for the camera, looking all tough. He wanted that moment to go viral. He is such a media personality now that anything he can do to have a bigger moment, the moment of look how passionate he is, look how badly he wants to win, that's uh, what he was going for. Let me touch the third rail on this because you know I do that all the time. I think he was roided up. Yeah, okay. Not all the time. but I think Allegedly, of course. Of course. Yeah. I don't know. Right. But I've seen this behavior. Remember, we had Roger Clemens. Need I say more? No. Met fans who remember Roger Clemens headhunting Mike Pazza twice in the middle of the season, 2000, right? Yeah. So we're serious. He beamed him. He knocked him out. I was in Yankee Stadium. Bobby Valentine and the team didn't come out for him. They didn't come out for him in the World Series. With the shredded bat. Well, that's because Piazza made Clemens like you at Brooklyn Prep with the seven straight home runs. No, let me tell you something. They weren't backing up Piazza. There's something there. There's something there. To be continued. Radio 77, WABC. Curtis Lewa. Curtis Lewa. Rip and Reef. 
Check this out. This is the Rip and Read featuring Curtis Lewa. Walking about. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. This is the Rip and Read. MTA bus driver he was at the age of 58. Let me give you the daily news story, which is the most accurate. He was steering his M15 bus south near Madison and Catherine Streets when passenger Rashawn Eagle, 43, big dude with dreads, got fed up that the trip to the South Ferry, to the South, uh, to the Staten Island Ferry was taking too long. So Eagle bangs on the uniform bus driver's partition that they all have now. Those people spit at him, they try to knife him, they try to punch him, cursing and yelling at him for not driving faster. The driver reaches the bus final stop at South Street near Whitehall Street at 12 noon. You got that? These attacks are happening in broad daylight and... This monster exits the bus. But when the driver rose up to exit, Eagle comes back onto the bus and begins swinging at him, slugging at him repeatedly in the face and the body. Now, how do we know this? Because if you've ever been down to the Staten Island Ferry, that's where all the Nigerian guys who work for the Liberty Bus um, Tourist Line, you know, the double-decker buses, they pile up there and they come at you and they try to convince you to take a double-decker bus ride. And so they speak English, totally understand what's going on, and they know how to use his cell phone. But instead of jumping in and assisting the MTA driver with anybody else who was in the area, because that's a highly trafficked area, everybody stands back, watches, and films it so it could be on live at 5. At one point, the monster, named Eagle, grabs the driver by the neck and chokes him out. And then the bus driver is trying to defend himself. You see in the video, it's had millions of hits. It's gone viral. This guy, Eagle, reaches into his pocket, pulls out a blade and opens it up. And he's ready to just, like, stick the shiv in him over and over and bleed him out. But he couldn't get the blade totally open. And the driver manages to disarm him and hold on to him, hoping the police are going to arrive. They haven't arrived yet. The fight is on the bus. 
at any moment, the driver could get shivved out. He's struggling with the guy. They fall down the steps. They're on the sidewalk. The driver grabs his dreads, extension, so they come out of his hand. So now the guy gets loose and tries to reach up and grab the driver's hair. Luckily, he's a baldy, totally bald. So he couldn't really grab him except he grabs his jacket. They're struggling on the ground. Nobody jumps in. Just like we saw in Times Square, the 12 Venezuelan migrant thugs putting their boots to the cops. That's one of the most heavily trafficked areas in the city. That was at 7.30 at night on a Saturday outside the New Amsterdam Theater. Hundreds, thousands of people. What did they do? Pull out their cell phone. So it's live at 5. Nobody jumped in. But this was more egregious because there was a knife involved. A knife involved. Finally, the cops get there. They grab the driver. Driver tells them what went on. They look at the video from the cell phone of the Nigerian who worked for the Empire double-decker tourist bus. And they see it's there's no doubt about this. You never know about the MTA, you know, bureaucratic organization. But I give them credit. They immediately came to the support of the driver. You must look at this video. You must look at it. This driver just was doing what he's told to do. And he almost gave up his life in the process. And where was that guy, Eagle, heading to? Staten Island. And he was arrested on multiple charges. This goes on in this city every day. Every day there are MTA workers attacked in the subway. They could be porters. They could be maintenance men, conductors, motormen. It happens every day. And it gets little, if any, attention. This needs maximum attention. Bus drivers have a plastic shield in front of them now. You know what that's there for? To prevent them from being attacked. I first saw it in Milwaukee. Had the guardian angels riding the buses in north side, south side Milwaukee. Bus drivers were indiscriminately being attacked. Father Grappi used to be a great civil rights leader, left the church, became the the union president of the version of the TWU in Milwaukee and asked the guardian angels to ride the bus. Boy, I got to meet Father Grappi. Great guy. Got married, had kids, probably regretted leading the priesthood then because, oh, the Michigash at home. Great guy. But he did not hesitate to invite the guardian angels on the buses to protect the bus drivers. And then eventually, but they were the first to put up the plastic shields. The next time you go on a city bus, ask yourself, why does a bus driver need a plastic, bulletproof, knife-proof shield? Remember what it was like when we were kids? When you got on that bus with Ralph Cramden, remember from the honeymooners, Ralph Cramden, the bus driver, every bus driver, that bus was there domain they were the sheriff you came on that bus and you caused problems because usually the troublemakers would run to the back i happen to be a troublemaker from time to time i know it well try not to pay your fare run in the back the bus driver would pull the bus over and say you guys you come up put your coins in the box now because remember the coin box go ching 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 you know you show your student government pass you only had to put a nickel in but a lot of us try to bogart that, basically dare him. He ain't going to get out of his seat. 
I don't care if it was a black bus driver, white bus driver, it didn't matter. They were mostly black and Irish at that time. They had a stick behind their seat. You remember Buford Pusser in Walking Tall, the rock in Walking Tall? That was the size of the stick. And you knew it was time for you to bolt for that back door and get the hell out of here. That bus driver was the sheriff of the bus. Everybody listened to the bus driver or he would eject you. He didn't wait for the police. He didn't have radios then. There was no such thing we're talking about in the 60s. You understood. You got on that bus. The bus driver was the sheriff. Now, we know who the attacker was. And he'll be charged in Manhattan. Cross your fingers. It's Alvin Bragland. If he was out in Staten Island, if he had done this in Staten Island, as much as I don't like the DA out there, he would have hit him with the max. There's no doubt about it. We need to find out the name of this hero. I've asked all my contacts in the MTA. I'm very friendly with the workers. The union officials, you know, when they say the name Sliwa, Sliwa. But not the members out there who know the guardian angels have been protecting them on the subway system for 45 years from these kind of attacks. This man is a hero. You must look at this video. You must look at this struggle. This is a life and death struggle. I would bet this 58-year-old driver probably grew up in an urban area. He knew it. He knew when that guy pulled the blade out. That was it. It was life and death. We need to find out. Please, could you go out with that song? Because I don't play this song often. The Hulk Hogan song about heroes, we throw around that term too liberally now. Everybody's a hero. From going into a deli, you know, getting the gabagool and a hero. This is legitimately a hero. I hope we here at WABC can find out who this man is, put him on a pedestal, honor him. And he, he basically is old school. This is what a bus driver used to do. And back then, if you gave the bus driver a hard time, the whole bus joined the bus driver and ran you right off the back of the bus. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Talking about this is the Riffin Reed featuring Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. We don't get fooled again.
No, Swazi. Yes, Tamazi. Out with the old, in with the new. The old boss is Swazi. He's got to go. He's got to be sent packing in that third congressional district. The focus of the nation, it's the only race. A litmus test for what will be coming up in November. And it's Mazi, who is the candidate who is taking it to the Democratic machine. There are millions of dollars that are poured in on behalf of Swazi. Hakeem Jeffries, who dreams one day of being Speaker of the House, put together a pack, $6 million dollars. Swazi has had, as he bolted right out the gate, went up to the executive mansion in Albany, got down on his hands and knees and begged for forgiveness from Kathy Crimewave Holcomb. She didn't want to uh, endorse him because during the gubernatorial debate, when, when Swazi was hoping to upset Hochul, he talked about how she and her husband were running a criminal enterprise with the way they shoved through the fiscal support for brand new Buffalo Buffalo Bills Stadium up in Orchard Park. The husband controlling all the vending rights. It was clearly a criminal act. There's no doubt about it. And he was right in that debate. And Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb made him grovel all the way up to New York State Thruway, and when he came through the door. He was like a Russian dancing bear in the old uh, Soviet circus. He was dancing. And Swazi said, apologize to me. Yes, ma'am. Apologize to my husband right here. Yes, ma'am. I didn't mean what I said. It was in the heat of a debate. I apologize. I apologize. Get down on your knee. Bend and buckle and kiss my pinky ring. Not hers. Her husband's. Because they run a criminal enterprise in Erie County, where they're from, where Kathy Crime Wave Hochul has said so often, I look out my kitchen window and I can see Ontario. And she's telling the truth. Lake Erie separates her home from Ontario, Canada. Unlike Sarah Palin, when she was governor of Alaska, who said, I look out my window and I can see Russia. She couldn't. So he had to buck and bow and dance like a dancing bear. And finally she said, you know what? You've apologized enough. You're my Maytag. You got that, Swazi? What are you? I'm your Maytag. I'm your Maytag, Governor Hoku. I'm your Maytag. Please, please, please. All right, get out of here. I'm disgusted by you. Get in your car. Get the hell out of here. I'll make my endorsement in the morning. And she did. But how humiliating. How debasing. What kind of a man is Swazi? Because he didn't mean a damn thing he said in the debate. Against Hochul. And remember, he was the surrogate of who? Andrew Evilized Cuomo. That's right, Andrew. You're listening right now on our WLI affiliate that goes out to Southampton, where you've hit the mattresses, you're stirring the, mar- the marinara sauce with your brother who owns the mansion. Hey, <laughs> who else, right? Chris. <laughs> Chris Cuomo. And your wartime consigliere who's back out of jail having done six years of time. So you got uh, Joe Pococo, you got Fredo yourself, and you're actually using this race as a measure of how much revisionism you can do to get back in the swim of things. Since you, you destroyed New York State as governor, now you want to destroy New York City and take over for Eric, Eric, uh, 
Oh, man, he's wearing a Fendi scarf again. He's giving updates about snow. What is this guy? That's an $800 scarf. How's he a blue-collar mayor? He's wearing a Fendi scarf. He did that the other day on that raid to get the uh, Venezuelan illegal alien criminals who were stealing from people on uh, Vespas and motorbikes. He goes with the cops, his bulletproof vest. He's got the Fendi scarf on the outside. What is this guy? Oh, it's Fashion Week. I forgot. He's a fashionista, but I digress. Let's get back to this race. You understand the hidden hand behind this Swazi race is Cuomo. They're like two peas in a pod. They're like a soup in a carriage. They are like twins. Remember? Remember? It was, it was Cuomo first. It was Cuomo first that called Ice Thugs when he was governor of the state of New York. Cuomo disparaged them. New York State is the state that says we will not cooperate with ICE. They're a bunch of thugs. He politicized ICE. They're a bunch of thugs. We said we will sue them if they violate any criminal laws in the state of New York. And remember at that time, Swazi was the Nassau County executive and said, yes, boss. Yes, boss. I will do exactly what you have done. I will kick ICE out of Nassau County. When I was county executive of Nassau County, I kicked ICE out of Nassau County. When I was county executive of Nassau County, I kicked ICE out of Nassau County. When I was county executive of Nassau County, I kicked ICE out of Nassau County. When I was county executive of Nassau County, I kicked ICE out of Nassau County. And you did. He did. And he's proud of it. And now he's trying revisionism just like Cuomo, right? Oh, no, no, no. Trust me, a vote for Swazi, if any of you are considering doing that in the 3rd Congressional District, is a vote for Cuomo, is a vote for Adams, and it's a vote for that Meshuggah out of his mind, Joe Biden. We saw him on the stage at 745 the other night to respond to that report that he wouldn't be prosecuted for purloining those uh, special documents because he couldn't remember anything. Couldn't even remember when he was vice president. Couldn't remember when his, his own son died. So you vote for Swazi out there. You are voting for Eric Adams. He wanted to be Eric Adams' deputy mayor. Yeah, he auditioned for that. You're voting for Cuomo and no cash bail and vilifying ICE and congestion pricing. How can you be so crazy? You're living in Suffolk and Nassau County and you're living in Whitestone and all those Queens areas that I was in over the weekend, round the clock. You could tell my voice is shot on the microphone, leading that caravan, urging you all to come to your senses to vote for Mazi and not for Swazi. And then at the end of that run, before I had to go visit uh, Sid Rosenberg at the Fifth Avenue Synagogue and help honor him, with their Guardian of the Year award for his trip to Israel for the very first time. It was a very emotional meeting, very emotional. And it was just a great event. But before I got there, I only had two hours of sleep in the past 30 hours, and I had another six hours to do till the break of dawn. So you know why my voice is pretty much shot. So I'm sitting there at Ben's Deli, Kosher Delicatessen, right in Bay Terrace. It was years ago that I competed at Ben's Kosher Deli in the annual matzo ball eating contest. There were 11 contestants, 10 Jews, and me, the righteous Gentile. And each of us had a judge behind us to make sure we weren't cheating. Raul Felder was my judge. Remember, he was the big divorce attorney at that time. I finished second to a guy named Steve Brock. I'll never forget it. Postal carrier from Howard Beach. Lives now in Hamilton Beach, the beach that nobody knows. No, it's not the blender. 
that got wiped out in Superstorm Sandy when we were patrolling through there. There was Steve Rock up on his porch. Big sign, you know, on the plywood. If you loot, we shoot. And everybody in Hamilton Beach was ready to shoot you if you came in there to loot after Superstorm Sandy. And Steve Rock said, you remember me? Curtis, me. I remember you. You beat me in the matzo ball eating contest. Worse than that. Raul Felder and all the Jewish judges went in the back room and consulted the burning bush. And they came out and they announced Steve Rock to win a legitimate. I thought they were going to say Curtis Lee was second place. Curtis Lee was disqualified. Why? Why? I almost, I almost did a, a Travis Kelsey on the uh, judge. And they said because you squeezed the matzo ball to, to drain it of the juice. And I know they gave me sinkers instead of the floaters that they gave to the Jewish participants. And I, I went crazy. And so for a while, I was banned from Ben's Kosher Deli. Now, I'll be honest about that. I, I had a Travis Kelsey moment at Ben's Kosher Deli. But last night, I mean, Saturday night, I really needed to fuel up. So after a long day campaigning, for Mozzie, starting at the Grace Episcopal Church in Whitestone. I made peace with some of the people I've had disputes with, Chairman Cairo from Nassau County, very gracious, the Queens GOP. And we were all together. It's tremendous. Go, go to my Facebook page, just see it. And we all hit the streets. We were busting our shoes. Everybody, the big markers, uh, the volunteers, it didn't matter. We were going door to door because we know that the election may be decided by the Queen's turnout. I don't doubt that the Nassau County GOP with their turnout operation will win Nassau and probably Suffolk. I'm concerned about Queens. That's why I'm going to be going back out there. I don't care if it snows. If I knock on your door, answer it, huh? I'm just about out of my voice. So I'm sitting there, and I'm having a bowl of mushroom barley soup. It's so good, Ben's is mushroom barley soup the best. With the Jewish rye bread, it sticks. You know, you don't have to eat. Boy, that'll stick with you for days. And then some of the Jewish patrons came up to me who were retirees from the UFT. And they said, because I had the literature, I was giving the literature out to everybody. He said, Curtis, Curtis. Mazi, Mazi, she's too Jewish. I stay quiet. I knew what was coming. You know, this Ethiopian Jewish thing, I understand that's a background, the IDF. But in the debate on Channel 12 the other night against Swazi, he's in, you know, his corporate attire, you know. She's wearing a red dress and the biggest star of David you ever saw in your life. And then she doesn't campaign on the Sabbath, which is Saturday, which is true. She's an observant Jew. And I looked at them because the place was packed. And I didn't want to embarrass them. They're older. And I said, you know, you really should take a shit... You should take a menorah and impale yourself. And I'll tell you why. I said, you remember Senator Joe Lieberman? Oh, yeah, he was such a great senator. Remember he was the vice presidential candidate for Al Gore? Remember in that contentious election that wasn't decided until eight weeks later by the Supreme Court in favor of Bush 43 and Cheney? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, Joe was a good man. So remember Joe did not campaign on the Sabbath because he's an observant Jew in a presidential campaign? And remember how there were many Democrats who said that's why Gore lost? Because it reminded the voters Joe Lieberman was a Jew. Remember that? And they turned their head down. They were ashamed. I said Al Gore didn't lose because of Joe Lieberman. You know why he lost? 
because he wouldn't let Bill Clinton go into the Mississippi River states where everybody loved Bill, Arkansas, Missouri, and even in Tennessee, Al Gore lost his home state of Tennessee against Bush 43, or he would have been president. If he would have let Bill Clinton, who they all love there, the Ozark mountain boy, go in there, he would have been president, and Joe Lieberman would have been the first Jewish vice president and maybe a future president. And they looked at me and they said, you're right. I said, did you vote yet? No. Who are you going to vote for? They said, Miles, you shamed us into it. And that's what I've been doing in Queens, going back and forth. So, ladies and gentlemen, I beg you, I beseech you, this is a vote for America. This is a vote for legal immigration. That's what Mazi's legacy is. She came here legally with her husband, who did Alia as a Ukrainian at the University of Haifa. That's where they met. They came here legally. They raised their family here legally. You got a choice. Some of you Jews, you listen. But if you're going to say she's too Jewish, my God. Get out there and vote for America. Vote for vote, vote for Mazi over that tired, just oldie, moldy Swazi. Check this out. It's the Riff and Read featuring Curtis Lewa. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Talking about this is the Rip and Read featuring Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. There's a bitter feud now that exists between me and John Katsimatidis, and it's for real. And it's over left versus right on Saturdays. For a year, it's been me versus Anthony Weiner, four to five Saturdays. And then John decided as the owner-operator, manager of our talk uh, radio show team, that he would jump in the ring, and for four straight Saturdays, his ratings were better than mine, so he put me on the bench as a pinch hitter. Met fans, Justin Ellick and Wrongway Lou Rufino, that would be like uh, Lenny Harris. Remember on the bench, greatest pinch hitter ever in Met history. All right, I'm on the bench. Then all of a sudden he goes, no, 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 no. We're not putting Curtis back in there because he doesn't go hard enough on Anthony Weiner, a Bidenite. He's got to be, you know, totally into this. It's like knockout. I told him, hey, I mentored the guy. I'm supposed to now rip his jugular out? I said, yes. It's what left versus is right. It's supposed to be. So they put Roger Stone in from the Stone Zone. You can hear him Sundays from 4 to 6. And now I see from Chad Lopez, oh, left versus right had a very strong response in the ratings this weekend. Roger has agreed to do round two. And now it's gotten personal. Listen to what John Katsimatidis was saying to Sid Rosenberg this morning. Without mentioning that, I know what the hidden issue is in all of this. By the way, you you were at the synagogue. Curtis came with you. 
And uh, I went to Staten Island. Vito had to, Vito Fasella, the borough president, have a, uh, had a great uh, state of the borough message. It was wonderful. I'm going to get a copy of the video and put it on WABC website. And everybody says to me, where's Curtis? <laughs> Curtis came Curtis came with you instead of yeah. coming with me. How about that? He, he's no dummy. Okay. <laughs> Uh-oh, he's I in trouble. I just want to let you know that. Yeah, he's in trouble. Curtis, you better be ready for the fifth floor today. <laughs> you hear that? I got to go up to the fifth floor today. You know nothing good is going to come from that. He's going to say, how come you didn't come out to Staten Island? If the election had just been Staten Island, I would have been mayor of Staten Island. I got about 80% of the vote against Eric Adams. And so everybody naturally wanted to know, where's Curtis? But they would have also said, hey, Curtis, what are you, a ball boy now? A bat boy for the Ferry Hawks? John has not only put you on the bench against Anthony Weiner, what? You can't hold your own with Anthony Weiner? He took over, and now... He's relegated you to being a bat boy and a a ball boy because you're not even on the bench. He put Roger Stone in. And all I hear in my ear when I walk in here, all I hear. Anthony! Anthony! Look, I, I, I prepared the guy, took the heat because he had had problems. Oh, my God, I took it right in the neck. And then all of a sudden, I'm not good enough. You know, you take a minute away of broadcasting from me, 10 minutes, and I have a, a, I have meltdown. WABC always broadcasting Curtis, and I think John is competing with that. Yeah, it's personal now. WABC always broadcasting Katsimatidis. And he took an hour from me. Anthony! Anthony! You think I'm going to forget that? I'm going up right now to the fifth floor. Who knows what's going to happen?